T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to another edition of Second Amendment Radio here on FM News Talk 97.1. Tony Colombo here with you in studio with producer Chad Ellis. Unfortunately, my partner Aaron Tarlow, the owner of Southern Armory, is out this week on assignment, but he'll be back next week, and we still have a very exciting show for you. We're going to be talking to our old friend Austin Peterson, and we are going to uh, replay back by popular demand. Uh, We talked last week with Sheriff Dave Marshak from Jefferson County, and we are going to replay that interview for you coming up in just a few minutes as well. want to remind you that if you want to listen to this show, download this show absolutely free. You don't have to just listen to us on Saturdays. If you miss anything or you want to hear it again, you can download our podcast on our website, 971talk.com, or even better, the radio.com app. App Just favorite the radio station on the radio.com app. It's absolutely free. Then you have access to all the podcasts here on the radio station, including Second Amendment Radio. Um, again, free, and you can take it with you everywhere you go. Uh, you can also find us pretty much anywhere you, you po- download podcasts, but the radio.com app is pretty much the best place to do so. Also, you can follow the show on Facebook, Second Amendment Radio on Facebook, Southern Armory on Facebook, and of course, always check out Southern Armory for all the best deals and all self-defense everything. Of course, firearms, but also uh, tasers and uh, pepper spray, everything you need to defend yourself. Of course, Southern Armory is found at southernarmory.com. That's southernarmory.com. I, I, sorry, I kind of snuck up on you with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little. Make but sure we're you ready. follow Southern Armory on yeah. Facebook and uh, ask your questions to Aaron there and, and watch for those live videos he does and check them out on southernarmory.com. We're going to break already because I want to leave as much time as possible for Austin Peterson. I'm looking forward to this conversation. So we're going to take a break and then we're going to have a long conversation with Austin Peterson. Don't go anywhere. It's Second Amendment Radio on FM News Talk 97.1. Are you playing Limp Biscuit? Of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. What does of course mean? <laughs> Limp Biscuit? Well, I thought, you know. What did you think? Was, I thought it was going to be uh cool. Yeah. Hmm. At first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a heck of a way to start. <laughs> Welcome back to Second Amendment Radio FM News Talk 97.1. And, uh, yeah, I bet you that's the first time our guest has ever been introduced with Limp Biscuit. Uh, as I mentioned in the last segment, our, our old friend Austin Peterson joins us on the phone. Austin, when's the last time you uh, rocked out to Little Limp Biscuit? Oh, dude, I haven't done it for the Nookie since the 90s, man. <laughs> I was like looking at Chad, like, what is he playing? And then I hear that the dulcet tones of Fred Durst, and you just there's there's nothing like it. 
Uh, all right, let's get this, let's get this thing back going here. Austin, great to talk with you. For people who uh, don't remember, I don't know how you couldn't. Austin's been on the show many, many times. Uh, Austin ran for Senate in 2018 uh, uh, here in the state of Missouri. Ran for uh, was the runner-up to the in the Libertarian Party for the presidential election in 2016, and uh, now does radio uh, on a daily basis in the state's capital in Jefferson City. Austin, you're a busy man. It's great to talk with you. How's it going? Hey, hey, good to talk to you as well. I feel like a real politician because I failed up. You know, that's what happens with all those politician types is that they don't fade. They don't they don't fail. They just they if but if they do, they fail up. They always get a better position. So honestly, being a radio host is so much better than being a U.S. senator. That job would suck. <laughs> yeah. So talk about real quick before we get going uh, about the station you're on, the time you're on, how people can can listen to you. Sure, KWOS News Radio, 9.50 a.m. and 104.5 FM in Jeff City is 6 to 9 a.m. Central, Monday through Friday. So 18 hours is a whole lot of talking, Tony, and mm. um, I, I'm really enjoying it. We're getting a lot of good feedback from the audience. You know, some people who are a little, uh, you know, nervous about all the changes that are going on because uh, they've got a pretty radical libertarian now at the uh, at the top of the day, right in the yeah. Capitol. I feel like I'm shaking things up but in a good way, you know? Good for you. That's great. How's what's that like getting are you a morning person because I've worked every shift in radio and mornings is the one that literally almost killed me. Uh, you know, it is hard and the adjustment was painful. I've learned that like naps in the middle of the day aren't helping me. I need to like, you know, go to sleep at a decent time. Yeah. But I've always been kind of a morning person. When I went fishing as a kid with my dad, I was always the type to like be up bright eyed and bushy tailed and, you know, ready to go out the door. So it's not too difficult for me, but, um, you know, like you kind of just, you got to find some meditation, get a, get a Zen place, you know what I mean? And get yourself a routine and uh, you know, I'm feeling healthy, happy, wealthy, and wise. That's great. That's great. Uh, uh that's so good to hear yeah i've always been a vampire i've always been a late night guy and so that morning shift i could do overnights i could do the show before yours no problem but uh the the morning shift always always hurt me real bad it so, hurts it does so you know it's the best one of the best damn jobs in the world tony yeah. being able to sit on your fat american butt and <laughs> talk about freedom <laughs> that's right that's right. Let's do a little bit of that right now. So um, one of the things that we talk about uh, very regularly on this show, Aaron Tarlow, the my normal co-host, the owner of Southern Armory, is out this week uh, on assignment, of course. And But, you know, something that he and I talk about almost on a weekly basis are these red flag laws that we're seeing pop up all over the country. And we have seen them submitted even in the Missouri legislature. Uh, thankfully, they haven't passed yet. Um, but, you know, we've we've had uh, we had Sheriff Dave Marshak from Jefferson County in here last week. I think we're actually going to replay that interview coming up here in just a few minutes. Um, and he is one of the many sheriffs across the country that has said if a red flag law ever gets passed in his district, he's not even going to enforce it. Uh, what are your thoughts on these red flag laws and how diligent do we have to be in the state of Missouri that we don't have one of these things, uh, you know, cropping up here? Well, let me just say first that that officer is an American hero, and he has my utmost respect. That is what public service is all about, and so I congratulate him. Uh, you know, I think that uh, Missouri, we, we dodged a bullet this year. Sounds like the red flag bill that was coming down uh, is not going to be passed. It didn't make it out of the committee, uh, so we won't have to worry about that. I mean, listen, nobody likes domestic abusers, right? Police officers always say those are the worst kind of calls to respond to. You know, there are dangerous people out there that want to 
take the freedoms that we can enjoy, and they want to abuse those freedoms. And, uh, you know, people who commit real crime should be punished. But we have this concept in the United States. It's a presumption of innocence. And essentially, that is, is that until you've been convicted of a crime, until you've had due process, you can't take the guns. Remember Donald Trump said, I like to take the guns first and do due process second. Uh, you know, uh, that's not how that works, mm-hmm. actually. you got to get the due process first. You have to have a presumption of innocence. You know, people who do bad things should be punished, you know, and if you commit a violent crime, especially with a gun, you can lose that right. Uh, but people who have not committed a crime or people who are suspected of committing a crime do need to be able to defend themselves for various reasons. Um, you know, the, essentially what a red flag law does is allows police or a spurned lover or a father or husband, you know, anybody could report you and on, the, on just a tip itself could lose you your Second Amendment rights. And this gets tied up not into the questions of just domestic assault, but, you know, when you see these school shootings happening around the United States, people demand answers. So when the answers come down, it's usually Democrats, spur, you know, spurring us on to gun control. But unfortunately, what we're seeing, Tony, right now is that the charge is being led by Republicans, you know, states like uh, Florida with Marco Rubio, where they had the Parkland shooting, you know, in order to appease the aggrieved parents, you can understand that they would seek solutions. But unfortunately, those solutions in terms of what the politicians always push down on us is a loss of liberty and a loss of rights. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because it was something that I wanted to ask you about. And just to just to set the table for people who we talk about it all the time. So I just assume that everybody knows what a red flag law is or a risk order protection is. Uh, but Basically, these laws and there's a little bit of variance in you know the the ones around the country, but basically it's a situation where if somebody can report you as a gun owner as being dangerous to yourself or others, and they can do so for any reason that they want, and if you if you live in an area where these where these red flag laws are the law, uh, that then it not only allows but it forces uh, authorities to go to your house and take your guns away without your knowledge. You don't even know that this that this complaint has been filed against you until there's somebody knocking on your door telling you to give them your guns. And they take the guns, and then the process starts of you trying to prove your innocence. It's literally the exact opposite of uh, innocent until proven guilty. You are guilty, you are assumed guilty until you prove your innocence, and you have to go through the long court process of trying to prove your innocence and maybe get your gun back, guns back. But it's a but you know you're gonna be without them for months, maybe even years in in some of these cases. And and uh, one anecdote that we always tell here that we got from our friends at the Missouri Firearms Coalition. There was a situation in New England, I think it was in like um, uh, Maryland or New York or New Hampshire, something, uh, over this past Thanksgiving in November. There was a uh, family Thanksgiving dinner and two adult siblings um, got into an argument about guns and politics at the Thanksgiving dinner table, which you're not supposed to do, but they did. And this sister got mad at her brother and knew that a way to get back at him uh, would be to call uh, uh, this red flag situation and have the police go over and get get his guns. Well, the police showed up. This guy got into an altercation with the police and ended up getting shot. And then the sister complained uh, to and and tried to go after the police and said he wasn't a danger. I just was mad at him. I just wanted you yeah. to go take his gun. I called and, the dogs on you, and then I got mad when the dogs ate the guy. Exactly. You know, exactly. I mean, it's 
Tony, it's gotten to the point where I kind of check the ideology of anybody before they enter my home. And I didn't used to feel like I needed to do something like that. But, you know, for I'm kind of a gun collector. And, uh, you know, I have some beautiful firearms that I like to display. And, you know, obviously it's not the kind of place where kids should be running around. But I don't have kids. I don't worry about that. But when mm-hmm. people come into my house and I don't know if there's some loony liberal, if they see my 1911 on the stand, they're going to be like, oh, well, this is a guy that if I want to screw with him, I can certainly do so. Yeah. And, you know, listen, Tony, I got a lot of people who want who want to take me down, man. I mean, I get threats a lot, you know, especially this last week after, um, you know, I went on the attack on Shannon Watts, the Moms Demand Action for Gun Control. There, I mean, I literally got an email from someone who said that they were going to do everything that they could. They were going to find every bit of personal information they could on me in order to try and destroy my life. Why do you think I carry guns now? <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, you know, again, it makes me, it, it has a chilling effect. It's kind of like what happens with free speech. You know, when you, what, what the government will do is they'll have a sacrificial lamb to make an example to the rest of us, you know, and it's, it's because they want to have a chilling effect on the Second Amendment. Like maybe you won't go buy that firearm. You know, it's too much trouble. You know, you don't want to engage in it. Maybe you've got a medical cannabis card in your state and it's in conflict with federal law for you to do these things. You know, there's all kinds of dangers that are involved. And you know what, again, and nobody who's committed a crime, anybody who's, who has not committed a crime, you should have a presumption of innocence and there should be due process. If you have no, no victim, no crime. Mm-hmm. But this essentially what this does is it, it continues to criminalize normal gun owners you know, and it's just like the bump stock ban last year. And I, I hear from gun owners all the time, Tony, they're like, well, I don't have a bump stock. I'm like, what you're doing is you're setting a precedent so that you're criminalizing uh, on what was before an uncriminal activity. You're creating a whole new class of felons now, because now all the people who own bump stocks, including the one person that I gave one away to from my U.S. Senate campaign, yeah. if he kept that bump stock, he's a felon now. Right. I mean, that's ludicrous. Red flag laws, bump stock bans. You know, again, time to stop playing D on the Second Amendment. Time to go on the O. Time to go on the offense. Time to start taking ground. It's time to start being unapologetic about the Second Amendment. And don't don't kowtow to the mommy groups who come in and start doing the marionette show with the dead kids and saying, you need to feel bad about this, and we're taking your rights. I'll feel bad for you when when a tragedy happens, but when you start trying to use it to take my rights away, you're you're chopping off slices or the bologna slices of my empathy. It's such a great point. The bump stock thing is a great example of like you said, playing defense. Well, a lot of people don't own bump stocks, and it's not really. It was kind of a niche little thing in the gun collectors or the the gun owners community. And so, if they want to come after bump stocks, let's just give them bump stocks, and then that's a victory for them. And now it's and then it just kind of opens the door, and it's like, well, if the bump stocks was so easy to get, then let's try to go get something else. Another thing you mentioned a few minutes ago, and I'm glad you mentioned specifically Florida, because that's a perfect example of a state that has. Uh, a Republican. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge apply ctmobile.com majority in the house and the senate and in the governor's mansion and yet still passed a red flag law 
And we're seeing that in, in states that there are strong Republican representatives that, you know, you'd think that, well, we're in the state of Missouri. We have some of the biggest we have some of the most gun rights in the country. Uh, something like that would never pass here. But we're we're seeing Republicans across the the country get on board with this. What's what is going on with that? What is in it for Republicans to to be OK with red flag laws? It was a boo-hoo brigade. You know, uh, you, again, you take a, tra- a tragedy and you politicize it. There was a shooting in Colorado yesterday where one student was killed, and they had a uh, vigil. They held a vigil last night, and at the vigil, two Democratic anti-gun lawmakers decided to turn it into an anti-gun rally, and then they brought up an a- another anti-gun speaker. There were students and parents who were there who walked out because they said, "This we were not meant to be used for this political rally. We don't agree with this speech. We're here to, to honor... Uh, the the person who was slain and the victims of this gun violence. And people just you know what it is again. It's it's a plea to emotion, and you know ever nobody wants to see kids get shot. Nobody is for that. You know, as a matter of fact, one of the the victims of the Parkland shooting last uh, last weekend literally accused me of wanting people to be attacked with guns, Jeez. which is you know the kind of hyperbole that we're seeing now. But we can't give into it. I mean, the thing is, you know, we've gone soft, Tony. Mm-hmm. This country has gone soft. And and they can't take it. Every time something bad happens, and the media makes it worse because it's all compounded and sent to our smartphones immediately, so it's in the front of our brains, right? If it bleeds, it leads. You know, in the 1970s was a funny little catchphrase for the few people that watched the nightly news, but for the rest of society and culture who were not engaged with what was happening around the world, you know, they didn't have we didn't have the same kind of stress. And when bad things didn't happen, people understood that there were crazy people in the world. Maybe it was a mental health issue, and maybe it still is. But the fact is, is that we've gone soft. So, so we we're allowing the feminized uh, version of society to to dominate so much to a degree that we value feelings over facts, and that's spread out throughout our entire society. And that's not just that's not aimed at gender. It's just aimed at a, at the concept that the masculine balance to it which is the, that we have to be strong in the face of danger, we have to be resistant to tyranny, and we have to be offensive against encroachments not only to our rights, but also offensive against violence in our communities. You know, just like the 9-11 hijackers, people say, well, we need the TSA because we haven't had a hijacking since 9-11. Well, that's because, you know, up until 9-11, everybody was told that they need to sit down and they need to shut up and let the terrorists, you know, do the negotiation process. Well, once we realized that suicide bombers were there, what do we do? We, we reinforced cockpit doors and we armed pilots and we got more uh, sheriffs in the air, air marshals. Mm-hmm. But what, why is it that we, we guard our banks and our government buildings with armed guards with guns, but we're not willing to do that with our kids or we get touchy about it or we talk about arming teachers, we think there's going to be more mass slaughters. The safest safest school in the United States is in Texas, and it has a sign outside that says these teachers are armed and will defend these kids. That's the attitude you got to have, Tony. Yeah. That's, that's resistance to tyranny, whether it's an in- individual who's acting tyrannically, a, a mass murderer, or whether it's the government itself. No gunman, no gunman is going to walk into a school at, w- with a sign out front that says our teachers are armed. Those yeah, are the, no, it's those just are not going to happen, but you have a gun-free zone, and it's just like candy, leaving out candy. So and it's I see this not just in the gun debate. I see this across the board with a lot of conservative politicians. It always seems like conservatives on on whatever issue 
are willing to, they think, okay, let's just do a little bit of negotiating. We'll give the other side a little bit more than we really want to. But once we give them this, then they'll stop and we can move on to something else. But they never stop. They keep, they they take and they keep trying to take more. It's a bad. Yeah, that's why people think I'm crazy when I'm like, you know, legal. It's time to deregulate machine guns, and it's time for us to do that. <laughs> yeah, this, this is the tactic the left is using in order to encroach on our rights. This is the Fabian socialist strategy, which is you know, uh, creeping big government through small incremental changes. We need to start having creeping small government through incremental changes, and that means you're going to have to actually overshoot the target. You know, read Donald Trump, Art of the Deal. Always ask for more than you think you can get. I'm tired of playing defense on this issue. I'm not afraid. And I'm not ashamed to say that I think that the average citizen ought to be able to walk into their walk into a store, and if they have fifteen thousand dollars, then they should be able to buy a machine that they could probably legally make in their mill for a thousand dollars or five hundred dollars mm. that the criminals would are going to get anyway. But when you watch the Venezuelan mil, uh, um, police roll and tank and APCs over their civilians, you wonder, why can't I own a rocket launcher? <laughs> right. You know what? I want to expand this conversation a little bit. We're talking to Austin Peterson. Uh, Aaron Tarlow's not here to keep me on point, so I want to expand this conversation a little bit of off of guns for a second, but it, it still, I think, has a relevancy to everything that we do. Uh, Austin, you like I mentioned, you uh, were the runner-up in the Libertarian Party for the president, their presidential nomination in 2016. That was, of course, Gary Johnson who ended up getting that on the, uh, on the ticket. How important is it, uh, when, and when will we ever see a legitimate third party? I am, I am very libertarian-minded, as you know, like you are. Um, I, I am sick of the way Republicans do things, and I'm sick of the way Democrats think. So, I, I, when will we ever be able to create a legitimate third party in this country? Uh, not, not looking good right now, yeah, and uh, that has that. to do with uh, the, uh, opportunities missed. There were, uh, in my opinion, there were two big opportunities missed for any kind of a of a third party movement that would that would really be able to be outside the two major parties. And that's, it started with the Tea Party. There was talk of the Tea Parties turning into a third party. Of course, the Republican Party immediately started, uh, you know, uh, was subsuming that movement, right, taking it over, astroturfing yeah. it, you know, putting their institutions and leaders at the, at the, at the you know, as the mouthpieces of the movement. So that, that didn't last too long. Uh, but of course, it did morph into the economic nationalist movement, the populist movement of Donald Trump, which I'll get into in just a moment. So the first opportunity was the Tea Party. And the second opportunity, in my opinion, I know I'm biased, but was the 2016 Libertarian presidential nomination. I, I agree with to you. His, right. Two historically unlike candidates, all of all that the third party candidate, the Libertarian Party candidate needed to do, in my opinion, in 2016, was be a sane, rational, and um, intelligible, um, communicable person who who was uh, res- you know someone who was responsible maybe a bit edgy you know having that you know I, I always I told the libertarians in 2016 and I was the only one who said anything nice about Trump even though we all criticized him mm-hmm. is that Donald Trump had something that the libertarians needed he had courage he had gusto he had chutzpah he had the kind of uh, courage that people admired I think that's why he ended up winning the the presidency but the libertarians squandered that opportunity with Governor Gary Johnson. The problem, of course, is just that they thought 
you know, their, the strategy was let's prevent, present someone who has experience in government, who's been tried before, and they didn't get the sort of meme culture mm. that was building up into 2016. So they let that pass by in the name of respectability when people really just wanted the craziest SOB in the room. We probably could have gotten <laughs> 10, 15 percent in the, in the debates uh, and gotten into the debates if I had been the candidate simply because I would have been respectable. I would have been intelligible. I would have known what Aleppo was. But, you know, we can't relitigate that. The third-party question, the problem is, is, is now is that the Trump movement kind of is an alternative political movement, even though it's gone mainstream. It still has aspects of that. But it's not the Tea Party. It's not taxed enough already. We don't hear anything about the budgets or the deficits or the spending from the Trump administration. We don't hear Republicans come banging on the the door and saying, hey, we want to we want to cut spending. You know, Republicans so much better for limited government when they have no power to change the government, when they're out of power. So now that the Republican Party controls the um, the government, you know, third-party opportunities right now are looking pretty slim. The best opportunity that most, quote-unquote, conservatives have right now is to work with people in the Trump administration who have some very strong independent streaks. I think you have to admit that. They, Trump yeah. has some very independent streaks, um, which I, I think are healthy, and I think he needs to be encouraged, and some of his instincts are very good and need to be um, need to be uh, encouraged. But uh, some of his other instincts are very non-libertarian, or very, and he has hired some establishment people, John Bolton and others. But I, I mean, the bad news is, is that you know, having been in third-party politics as long as I have, Tony, the appetite is yeah. just not there, yeah. and the people of the United States, they're not ready for it, and they're not willing to vote for it, brother. Yeah, I, I know, I know, but we got to keep on fighting the fight. I, I agree with you. A huge missed opportunity in 2016. Huge. Uh, last question for you, Austin. I know we're almost out of time. Um, I have ruffled a few feathers here recently saying that I think that I'm not in, not not necessarily in 2020 but I think that this this far this push to the extreme left by Democrats and this push mm-hmm. towards socialism is is not what we saw with the Tea Party as a as a fad that sort of took over the uh, the party for a, a couple of years and then faded away. I feel like they have staying power simply because of the uh, indoctrination of the young people that are fueling uh, the 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 momentum that 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 the socialists have. I feel like we are eventually going to elect somebody with that extreme left view before we realize how bad it is. I think it's going to take it going all the way to electing a president that has those socialist views for everybody and then and then for everything to crash and for us to before we realize, oh my gosh, this is a terrible uh what a terrible decision. Do you agree? Do you have a, a brighter, do you have a, a brighter outlook than I do, or do you think? Uh... No, Tony. Unfortunately, dark days ahead, my friend. These are the times when uh, the um, the good wizards have, have got to get together and form a, a clan of Aurors. I don't know if you're a Harry Potter fan, but um, uh, quite frankly, Voldemort, Voldemort's on the loose, brother. Yeah. And um, I know it. You know, right? We don't have any chosen ones at the moment. Yeah, Austin Peterson, always great to talk with you. One more time, how can people uh, hear you every day on the radio and, of course, follow you on social media, all that good stuff? Hey, Tony, you're good, buddy. Really appreciate the opportunity to talk to your audience. Uh, KWOS News Radio in Jefferson City. It's the morning show, 6 to 9 a.m. Me and my buddy, John Marsh, 
Rush. We are rocking it three hours a day, 6 to 9 a.m. Uh, the KWOS Morning Show Facebook page, we live stream that. Um, and you can always tune in at the KWOS News app on your iPhone or Android. I'm on social media at eight, sometimes when I'm not banned at AP <laughs> for Liberty. AP, the number four, AP for Liberty. Hit me up there, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks a lot, Tony. Have a great All weekend. All right, Austin, great talking with you. That's Austin Peterson. Always great to talk with him. Here on Second Amendment Radio, FM News Talk 97.1. we got to take a break. When we get back, we're going to play you that conversation that we had last week. Uh, very fascinating stuff uh, from Sheriff Dave Marshek from Jefferson County. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, don't go anywhere. We'll play that for you next here on Second Amendment Radio, FM News Talk 97.1. Welcome back to Second Amendment Radio on FM News Talk 97.1. Tony Colombo here with my partner Aaron Tarlow from Southern Armory. Chad Ellis, the producer on the Wheels of Steel. Now, at break, I heard you you were playing different songs, and I heard Aaron yeah. say, that's a good one, Chad, that's good and that's one. not the one you're that's playing. That's not the one I, I said. <laughs> hey, you know what I just... Of course <laughs> not. We have to save the best for last. There you go. Yeah, I'm there with you. Go. You know what I just realized? You What's know, I'm it? in a different seat because we've got an awesome guest I'm yes, super excited about. But uh, my cough button is right, is right here for uh-huh. this microphone, right. and, and the one for that microphone is... Is over, over there. there. Uh huh. So last week I was coughing and I and kept hitting the wrong button. The wrong button. I was like, oh, it's really weird. I can still hear myself <laughs> in here. I'm like, oh, maybe they can just hear me. It's not getting recorded. Right. Well, no, uh, you were hitting the wrong so, button. Oh, yeah. I was hitting the wrong button. So. so you just mentioned our awesome guest uh, joining us in studio, as we mentioned in the last segment. Uh, Jefferson County Sheriff Dave Marshak is here yeah. with us. Sheriff, thanks so much for joining us today. How's it going? I appreciate the uh, opportunity to be here with you yeah. guys. Yeah, I was, I was super excited. I, uh, so I guess I should I kind of explain how this this happens. I follow yeah. uh, Sheriff Marshek on Facebook and on Twitter, and he tweeted uh, tweeted tweeted mm-hmm. what is the proper tweeted term? tweeted he tweeted <laughs> out something that I thought was really awesome. So of course I had to send him a direct message and was like, "Hey Sheriff, <laughs> you want to come on the radio? Yeah, you want to come on the radio show?" <laughs> He's like, "Who are you?" <laughs> and, and, and which tweet was that? Uh, that was the red flag law. Yes, uh, and and that was uh, you know they were. They kind of killed it and then added it as an amendment over to another uh, another bill, and then it, it's it'll I think it'll it's rear its now. ugly head again. Oh, is it? it's, oh yeah. yeah, it'll rear its ugly head again, and if it doesn't this session, it will again. Yeah. Um, and the tweet you made reference to um, was me kind of bragging about um, Rob Vescovo, and he's a leader um, in the uh, Missouri House, and he's looking out for. Um, those who are interested in protecting our rights. Uh-huh. And uh, so I gave him a little shout out and I said, yeah. I appreciate his hard work. He was able to um, kind of knock off a bill before it ever really went too far. Awesome. Um, but those things will uh, they'll, they'll pop up again. It's n- the fight's not over. I agree. And uh, it's something that we constantly have to be vigilant um, and keep in mind that uh, there's those uh, people out there that are 
going to, at any cost, uh, try to make changes that uh, impact our Second Amendment rights. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. And I want to just give a quick, we, we talk about red flag laws on this show oh, probably any more, more than any other radio show, uh, maybe in the country. Right, I, I would say it's... Certainly in the area. The top two topics on this show are suppressors yep. and yes. red flag yes. laws. Those are the two that we talk but about a lot. But just in case people are wondering exactly what a red flag law is, this is basically these, these laws that we see popping up all over the country. Some make uh, national news when when they happen. Um, and sheriff, if I get anything wrong, feel free to jump in and correct me. But essentially, they, they all they all have their own nuances throughout the country. But but essentially, it boils down to this ability for someone to file a complaint against a gun owner that uh, they they go and they claim that the the gun owner is somehow dangerous to uh, themselves or others. And without that, without the gun owner's knowledge of this happening, uh, a court order is given for the police to come over and take those weapons away, again, without any knowledge uh, of the person who's got this complaint filed against him until the officers are knocking on his his or her door, uh, telling him to give up his his firearms and then you lose your guns and then then you can begin the process of trying to get them back you Absolutely. have to go and fight uh you have to go and and file an appeal and go into court and try to get your guns back so you are literally guilty until you can s- prove yourself innocent so uh we see situations where there's a family fight or maybe a, a, a an ugly divorce and people have used these red flag laws to stick it to somebody that they don't like or yeah. a neighbor that they they don't like i've uh said it's legal swatting and that was a, a term that came up swatting, you know, like, yeah uh, the uh Xbox players and I guess uh, PlayStation players would like get mad at mm-hmm. another player and then call on us. So in a nutshell, did I get it right, Sheriff? Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty concise. You know, I call it an unfunded mandate for law enforcement purposes. It's Definitely. an unfunded mandate that could violate our Constitution and attempt to prevent a hypothetical situation. Yeah, uh, that would probably otherwise occur just without a gun. Now here's the surprise: we have seen you. You just illustrated um, how lucky we are in the state of Missouri that we have. A Republican supermajority. We have a lot of people in Jefferson City that are very pro Second Amendment, very pro gun rights. Missouri, uh, in general, is a is a very Second Amendment friendly state. Much unlike our neighbors uh, in Illinois, who have a much stru- harder time. a much harder time than we do. Um, however. There are other states around the country that have Republicans in both the uh, Republican majorities in both the House and the Senate and the governor's mansion that are still passing these red flag laws. And we see sometimes the NRA and law enforcement from time to time on the side of Mm -hmm. these people that are supporting these red flag laws, which to me is always shocking. So just, Sheriff, in your words, why are red flag laws uh, dangerous and uh, unconstitutional, at least in my opinion, they are. So, so I, I would have to put it in perspective in terms of every law that has been presented is a little bit different. And so uh, it might vary in title, and I think the substance might vary a little bit. Um, and so I'd have to look at uh, each individual piece of legislation. But I can tell you, in the state of Missouri, the legislation that has been proposed um, does not allow for due process. And mm-hmm. and that's probably one of the biggest concerns is that, you know, you mentioned uh, the fact that 
any person with a close relationship can, you know, file one of these complaints or one of these orders. Um, have you ever had a buddy that had a crazy girlfriend? Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Or gone through a contentious divorce? Yeah. So, um, and you know, in in my years of law enforcement, I've encountered numerous situations in which um, persons will file false claims, and you know, later on, there's evidence to suggest that. Um, but the fact is, you are not allowing gun owners due process uh, when this happens. And it, it's if you look at um, our constitution and then the way that these laws are under the you know auspice of you know preventing some potential hypothetical tragedy that uh, nobody could predict later, uh, it's a problem. And um, we're not into, um, you know, this isn't the Minority Report movie where we can predict what's going to happen in the future. And we shouldn't be taking away people's Second Amendment rights um, on the hypothetical possibilities of a situation happening later with a gun. Mm -hmm. And that's probably my biggest issue. What is it? What? How do you react when you see other members of law enforcement getting behind these, or 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 the NRA in certain situations getting behind these red flag laws? Like where where are they going wrong in their interpretation of these things? Um, you know, I don't know where where people go wrong sometimes. Uh, <laughs> you know, how the train leaves the track sometimes. I mean, I think a lot of times people uh, respond to crisis situations in an emotional um, yeah. way, not in a pragmatic way. And, um, you know, when we look at uh, legislation, uh, we have to look at it from a couple of different perspectives, particularly those that are going to enforce it later, right? Um, it's the same way I view a policy for the sheriff's office. Um, you know, I will look at the Constitution first, uh, and that's the foremost priority number one. Um, we'll look at local laws, and then after that, how uh, it impacts our standards in law enforcement for maybe accreditation. Um, but any policy has to be realistic with the resources that are in place. And law enforcement agencies do not have the resources to to do this imaginary, uh, this, you know, to enforce these imaginary, mm-hmm. well, that doesn't come out right. So I don't, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I lost track a little bit, but I will tell you that in terms the, of these uh, broad, our policies. Yeah, these yeah. broad, you can't, you can't be in everybody's home and everybody, you know, you can't, it, it's just too, it's too broad. As sheriff, I have to make sure that both the policies are enforceable and that yes. our officers have the resources yes. and the capabilities to enforce that. To mm-hmm. I will tell you that I cannot imagine um, the complexities that arise as a result of some of this legislation um, that is created, because I can tell you that from a law enforcement perspective, if uh, a red flag law was actually in place uh, in Jefferson County, for example, more than 700 times annually, a suicidal a uh, person will call for help. Mm-hmm. So more than 700 times a deputy responds. Um, That's twice a day for people trying to do the, the quick math. <laughs> right, yeah, you know. right. And, you know, we already struggle with um, the mental health aspect from a I law agree. enforcement perspective. Mm-hmm. And um, now we're asking, you know, our uh, police officers to attempt to further diagnose uh, and decide whether this person actually should even own a firearm. Mm-hmm. Right. Talking to uh, Sheriff Dave Marshak from Jefferson County, uh, you know, I always like to tell the story that we heard originally from our friends at the Missouri Firearms Coalition about a situation up in New York just this past 
Thanksgiving where a brother and a sister. Maryland, wasn't it? Oh, was it Maryland? Okay, yeah. I knew it was Northeast. So um, a brother and a sister who are gr- uh, grown. I think yeah. they were in their 50s. Yeah, absolutely. Each, each of them uh, together over Thanksgiving. And the brother is a um, conservative gun owner, Trump supporter, and gets into an argument with his his liberal leaning sister. Like not non physical. Yeah, just you know, an argument, philosoph- just a family ph- argument yeah. over over Philo- Thanksgiving. Philosophical, yeah. philosophical yeah. debate. Yeah, absolutely. Even though you're not supposed to to you know do yeah, that, you're not bad. supposed to have those dinner conversations about politics. Um, and the sister gets mad at the brother and calls a red flag law on him. The police show up, things go bad, and the guy ends up getting shot and killed. Then the sister is mad at the police for killing him, saying he wasn't a threat. I was just mad at him, and I knew that taking his guns away would really Get him stick back. it to yeah. him. And so that right there, that's enough from that one story is enough for me to say we need to rethink Absolutely. the way that we look at these at these red flag laws. Is there any changes that could be made to the bill that would allow you to get on board, Sheriff? Or is this just from top to bottom a, a, a bad idea? I think it's bad policy. Um, you know, I think that uh, we as a society are looking for uh, a way to prevent tragedies. And unfortunately, we are in a constant struggle because um, the people that believe by you know, kind of trampling on our Second Amendment rights, somehow this will stop these tragedies, and it's not. Um, you know, the fact is we have a mental health situation uh, in our country we that do. is underfunded, um, and we deal with it every single day. Um, but to believe that you know, taking away um, access to firearms will somehow prevent any other tragedy is is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing. I mean, uh, again, we're blaming a firearm for uh, all the tragedies that happen yeah. in our country. We are constantly looking to blame somebody and to put blame somewhere else and trying to rationalize how something could happen. Uh, and the easiest fallback is to go back onto a firearm. Yeah. I mean, can I ask you a question? You may not know the statistic, but when your officers respond to a uh, assault, uh, what's the statistics for guns versus a knife versus a like a tool, a baseball bat, golf club, something like that. Is firearm pretty down the list? Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, in terms of general assaults, mm-hmm. yes. You okay. know, but, um, you know, I, I think one of the, um, you know, statistics that I am familiar with was, you know, in terms of um, suicides, mm-hmm. right? In Jefferson County last year, we had uh, 52 suicides. Okay. And so oftentimes people will claim, you know, in, in this red flag law, for example, right? the person may be in danger, yeah. okay? And that's the argument. Well, you know, if you're going to prevent them from being in danger, they probably shouldn't operate a motor vehicle um, because right. that's twice as, right, twice as likely we lose yeah. many more citizens as a result of motor vehicle crashes than right. we do uh, in terms of firearms. But if you look at our county alone, um, in the last uh, five days, we've had five suicides. Only one of them was from a firearm. Well, right. The other one so, with pills. And so you had varies. pills. You had a, a small engine where somebody brought a small engine to their bedroom. Yeah. And, uh, another one was in a garage. And if you look at the different ways, I mean, some of the arguments that we have to protect people, we have to take away their guns yeah. uh, for their own protection. The reality is, if they're going to be motivated to commit suicide, they're going to uh, find a way. They're going to figure out something yeah. else other than a gun. And I think sometimes it can just increase the likelihood of a lethal confrontation as a result of. Uh, law enforcement trying to take away a firearm 
rather than you know using other resources to accomplish that goal. Let's say red flag laws got passed. Would you guys even have the ability to store that many guns? Uh, listen, the or courts. The listen, the courts. To go door to door to. It has to be funded. The courts don't have the resources yeah. uh, to accommodate that. You know, um, I can tell you that our courts uh, struggle to process the, the cases they have now. Right. How? Uh, in, in just to Aaron's point, and then we need to take a break. But uh, uh, sheriff isn't going anywhere, so no. uh, we'll have yeah, plenty we got more. Another but, sheriff. Glad to be here with you guys. Last last question um, on this red flag law situation. Uh, just the realistic, from a realistic resources standpoint. You, as sheriff, if if your guys are out um, enforcing red flag laws and taking these complaints and going on knocking on doors and trying to take guns, uh, how how uh, naked does that leave the rest of the county when they should be out, you know, enforcing, you know, law, protecting it, people? It places an impossible burden on us. Yeah. And, and I'll give you an example. You know, if you look at a search warrant now, uh-huh. right? Law enforcement officers, particularly our tactical team, is in a situation where we do a risk assessment. And the risk assessment is done to protect not only law enforcement, it's there to protect citizens. It is there to protect a suspect or person um, who's committed a violation. Because, you know, law enforcement officers do not want to make a critical decision um, involving, say, a possible gunfight next to a school. Right. Right. Other citizens are at risk. And so they do a risk assessment to make sure um, that they're going to be as safe as possible. There's some level of surveillance. Um, and again, we try to mitigate risk. That's a lot of resources that go into prior to any execution of a search warrant. If you're talking an additional, you know, 700 or plus complaints, um, we simply don't have the resources for that. And that is Sheriff Dave Marshek from Jefferson County. Great to talk with the sheriff. Thank you so much for your time. Follow Sheriff Dave at Sheriff Marshek on Twitter. And that is going to do it for another edition of Second Amendment Radio. For my partner, Aaron Tarlow, our producer, Chad Ellis, I'm Tony Colombo. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next Saturday right back here at 3 o'clock on FM News Talk 97.1. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 